0: You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere.
1: Hey, everyone. Tim McMaster here along with our MLB.com Blue Jays reporter, Gregor Chisholm. And, Gregor, good to be back on the podcast. First of all, um, I was missed the first couple of these, but always exciting to talk about the American League East and, uh, of course, specifically these Blue Jays. Thanks for having me back. Oh, it's great to have you back.
0: <laughs> nice to see you again.
1: Um, all right. So it's kind of that quiet time in the off season. obviously, as far as the hot stove goes. Things haven't really geared up too much unless you're a Mariners fan and have Jerry Depoto running your team. But otherwise, things are, okay. are pretty quiet. But... When you talk about this Blue Jays team, obviously it's it's a fascinating offseason in that the playoff runs have come to an end in 2017. And this team's kind of, to a degree, I think, at a crossroads. And we're already starting to hear about the rumors. Um, and a lot of rumors so far revolving around outfielders that the Blue Jays could be interested in. Um, guys like Lorenzo Cain, who um, Pat turned, up, turned down his qualifying offer from the Royals. Or Jay Bruce. Um, guys in that mold. Do
0: you think the Blue Jays actually go out and spend big on an outfielder? I think when it's all said and done, I think they probably will. Uh, whether or not it's one of those two top guys, it's certainly an area of need for this team, obviously with Jose Batista uh, parting ways with the organization at the end of last year. And the one thing the Blue Jays do have you know, working in their favor is that they do have a decent amount of depth, whether it's kind of rookies who could come in and compete, Anthony Alford. Uh, Oscar Hernandez and then they also got returnees like Steve Pierce so it doesn't have to be the first thing they take care of this offseason I think they'll probably also look at kind of bringing in a versatile type infielder and seeing how that works out but at the end of the day this is a team that does need to improve its offense there's no question about it and I think you look at those corner outfield spots at least one of those being filled with some sort of uh, acquisition. And I think this team, the way they're set up, that's more likely to come through free agency as opposed to trades because uh, they want to hang on to uh, a lot of their kind of emerging prospects.
1: It seems like, with the possibility of Giancarlo Stanton being traded and um, guys like Andrew McCutcheon being on the trading block, and then a decent number of free agent outfielders, it seems like that outfield market could take a while to develop. We always see certain areas one year to the next, Uh, certain positions take a while through the winter meetings, sometimes into into the new year. Do you get that feeling? Just because there's so many outfielders out there, it may take a while for that first domino to fall?
0: I I think so, and I think for the Jays in particular – uh, you know, the fact that they have some money to spend also allows them to kind of wait out this market a little bit because, you know, like I said they might not trade for a big name type outfielder before. There certainly is a possibility that they could go to one of the teams who are looking to cut payroll uh, at some point this off season once the offseason starts to kind of shake out a little bit and, and reach out to those teams about more taking on the salary Uh, as well as the player and and, and not giving up quite as much prospect capital in return. So uh, I think the Jays are in a good position for that. But, yeah, I I absolutely think because just there's so many options. That that seems to be one of the positions uh, this offseason with so much depth. Uh, that's probably going to take a little while for it to play out, and, and, and the Jays will probably like to have it that way too. And I think that's one of the reasons why uh, they're prioritizing probably uh, an infielder type first and then kind of seeing where that outfield market is a little bit later in the offseason.
1: You mentioned the versatile infielder, and obviously they have Troy Tulowitzki, You would hope to be playing shortstop, Devin Travis at second. Um, so when you look at an infielder to add, is it a guy that is really a starting talent-wise player but can play multiple positions um names that popped to mind i think like an eduardo nunez kind of guy who um if an injury happens can fit into any one of those spots but can give you production like a starter would
0: yeah that's exactly it and you know it was a little surprising to hear i can say that that kind of type of player without mentioning nunez in specific but that type of player uh, was his top priority for this offseason. And because you, you would have thought that, you know, the outfielder maybe be somewhere else. But you know, as we touched on, you can wait on that a little bit. And, and what he said he was looking for uh, potentially from that versatile infielder is a guy who could uh, get as many as 600 at bats, you know, all over the place. Uh, and I think that it's someone that, that the Jays need to add. And I think they've realized that just simply because, you know, Troy Tulowitzki, it's been a very long time since we've seen him. Uh, able to make it through a season without going on the disabled list. Devin Travis has has never been able to do it in his big league career, uh, now three years into that. And, and unfortunately for him, I mean, when he's been on the field, he's been everything the Blue Jays could have hoped for and more. Uh, But there's been too many uh, knee issues with him. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. So, uh, you know, a guy like Nunez really would be kind of the type of perfect fit. And then when everybody's healthy, you kind of just sprinkle them in. You move them all over. You give guys an occasional day off, and and that increases the likelihood of them being able to stay healthy too. But I think that's a spot where they want to improve and get more from the bat than they did from a guy like Ryan Goins in, in 2016, 2017.
1: I mentioned the crossroads situation for the Blue Jays, and they could go two ways. You can either bring in these guys and, and try to prolong this window when you still have a, a good, talented pitching staff, and if you can get that lineup going again, uh, be a contender again, or you can decide to go young. And if they decided to go that route, Josh Donaldson at this point, I think, is, is a guy that could still bring back a good haul. Um, are we going to hear those type of rumors throughout this off season?
0: I mean, I think we're going to hear them simply because – of how big of a name Josh Donaldson is. Uh, but from a Jays perspective, I wouldn't put too much stock into it this offseason. I, re- I really don't think that's the way that this team's going to go. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that becomes a, a, you know, a very strong possibility at the trade deadline uh, next year. If the Blue Jays don't find themselves in contention, That would that would be the obvious move. But I think that's probably when they would wait to do it. Uh, you know, I, I think this organization still wants to uh, sell to the fan base the the possibility of uh, contending in 2018, and I, and I think they believe that, you know, with a return to health, that they can get back there, and so I think that's the first priority. And and you know, they just have said before many times that they don't see how they can get better on the big league roster uh, by trading Josh Donaldson, and when the priority is is improving that big league team. Uh, it just doesn't make sense for that to happen this off season. But if they don't do well next year, then uh, certainly that's a conversation that will we'll start in, in May and June.
1: Alex Anthopoulos obviously was at the helm of the Toronto Blue Jays for some time. Uh, he was at the helm when the team made it back to the postseason, pulled off those big trades at the deadline a couple of years ago to get Tulewitzki and and David Price in and all that. And then he stepped away when the team, uh, I guess, hired above him. Um, the, the new group that, that's heading things up now. But now he is back in that role of running a team. It's with the Atlanta Braves. Um, I guess his first goal there will be to settle things down because it's, it's been kind of out of control with the Braves with what's going on, and we still haven't heard exactly what the penalties are going to be for their uh, what they've done in the international market, uh, breaking some rules and guidelines and that sort of thing. But when you think back to Anthopoulos's time in Toronto, um, what do you remember about that? the type of GM he was? Because he seemed to build up that system, and then he made all those trades. So, so he kind of did things in two different ways over his time there.
0: Yeah, if you're a baseball fan of a particular team, he's the exact kind of guy you want as your general manager because he's not afraid to take those risks, and, and some of them work out, and some of them don't. But uh, it, it's exciting as a fan to, to follow the way he he does things because he is very, very aggressive, and you know he's going to be involved uh, in, in you know a lot of different things. And you know, I think the Dodgers was a perfect spot for him. Uh, to, to, to step aside for uh, a year or so and, and kind of get a different perspective and learn from different executives. There's, I think there's no doubt that he's probably a, a better executive now uh, from everything he's experienced than he was, at, at, you know, throughout his, his Blue Jays career. But uh, you know, he's a guy who who knows how to build a farm system and then he knows how to capitalize on having some of those prospects. And I think that's why the Braves, in particular, it's, it's why he would have been interested in that job and why it's a great fit for him. Uh, he's going Going to no doubt pull off some some rather big trades over the next little while, and it'll be interesting to see who stays and who goes in Atlanta. But it's going to be uh, a bit of a roller coaster and, and very fun to see. And he's he's accomplished a lot during his time, and uh, there's no reason to think that he won't be any different in, in Atlanta.
1: Yeah, we don't know if they may lose some of those international prospects, but even if yeah. they do, it's a system that's absolutely stacked. Uh, Jim Callis, Jonathan Mayo have them ranked number one as far as talent uh, right next to the White Sox and, and the Yankees last year um, as far as overall talent within a system. So what a great spot for Anthopolis to step into for sure. All right, well, it's Thanksgiving week here south of the border. Uh, Gregor, I know up in Canada Thanksgiving was in October, but that was in the middle of the playoffs. So people had plenty to be thankful for watching playoff baseball. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on a couple of things, or three things, that the Blue Jays fans should be thankful for this time of year.
0: Yeah, for, I mean, first off, you got to start with Josh Donaldson. I mean, we don't exactly know what his future is going to be with this organization and how long he is going to be with the Blue Jays uh, beyond 2018. But, you know, all signs point to him starting the year with the team. And, uh, you know, he's a perennial MVP candidate in the prime of his career. He's someone that, uh, you know, people should pay to watch because he is that type of elite talent. Uh, and, you know, seeing him in the prime with the Blue Jays uniform, I mean, that's that's it's certainly something to be proud of, and certainly something that uh, Blue Jays fans uh, should be thankful for, and there's no reason to think that, you know, after the way he finished 2017, even though he was hurt early on, uh, he finished that second half as good as he ever was, and you got to think that he's going to be coming back, you know, one year away from free agency, looking to also kind of turn the page on 2017. He's going to be plenty motivated at the start of next year, and uh, and you know, odds are he's gonna be able to do something pretty special.
1: All right, and uh, then number two, you look at the at the future of this team and it all circles around Vladimir Guerrero Jr., doesn't it?
0: Yeah, it really does. And uh I mean you're talking about the guy who could quite possibly be the best prospect in all of baseball. Uh and he's coming and he's coming fast. I mean it's it's Remarkable to kind of follow his rise uh, through the minor league system, what he was able to do in 2017 in Lansing, and I uh, mean, we've yet to see this guy struggle. Uh, and you know, Canadian baseball fans are obviously very familiar with his father, uh, and just watching Vlad Guerrero Jr. Uh, you know, with the ma- mechanics that he has at the plate, the way he approaches each at bat, the way he swings—it just brings back so many memories of his father. Uh, And there's no reason to believe that he's not going to turn into that type of talent at the big league level as well. So, you know, next year, not necessarily going to be his time, uh, but he is coming on fast. And that's something Blue Jays should be very thankful for moving forward.
1: All right. And then one more. We mentioned it. uh, This team for all the, it struggled a little bit in 2017. uh, They bring back what should be a talented starting rotation.
0: Yeah, you know, it was it was really kind of surprising to see the the storyline for that rotation, you know, it started off in 2017 supposed to be the biggest strength in that organization and ended up being one of the big weaknesses, but uh, you know, this is still a very strong starting unit moving forward and it, it all starts and stops with Aaron Sanchez and overcoming that blister issue. Uh, but if he can do that and come back and pitch a, a full year next year, you look at that rotation led by him and, and Marcus Stroman, and then you've got uh, very solid veterans in, in J-Hap and you got to think Marco Estrada could possibly have a bounce back here next year. So, uh, you know, while the results weren't necessarily there in 2017 and the group could look, you know, relatively similar next year. Uh, it's a bit of a dark horse candidate to come back and bounce back in a big way and and, and really give the Blue Jays a chance at uh, contending in 2018.
1: All right, great reasons for Blue Jays fans to be thankful uh, as we celebrate Thanksgiving down here in the United States, at least. All right, great stuff. This has been MLB.com Extras, our Blue Jays edition. For Gregor Chisholm, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time.